0: Hello, everyone. This is Guy Windsor, also known as The Sword Guy. And I'm here today with R- Rigel Ung of the Pan-Historical European Martial Arts Society in Singapore, which I have a long-standing relationship with. And uh, without further ado, um, let's get on with the interview. So, Rigel, welcome to the show.
1: thank you. Thank you for having me, man.
0: You're very welcome. Now, you are in Singapore at the moment, yes?
1: Yes, um, yep. So, like every other part of the world, it's on lockdown. Um, uh-huh. Can't really go anywhere else, so pretty much stuck here for the time being.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, there are many worse places in the world to be stuck.
1: Oh, of course, of course.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so what made you want to start historical martial arts and how did that actually happen?
1: So, um, from a young age, I was already pretty interested in. Uh, any kind of fighting arts um, uh-huh. usually the custom in Singapore is that uh, most parents would send their kids to uh, a martial arts class like a taekwondo a karate or, uh-huh. or, or more, more of the sportified martial arts because uh, it well it builds character like like all other things um, but I wasn't a, I, I wasn't really an outdoors kid um, uh-huh. I was pretty much very sheltered. Rarely went outdoors. Um, It was a you know like I'd I'd go to school, uh, hang out for a while, and then I'd go home do my homework. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. but I was always very fascinated with um, the fighting arts, um, mainly due to television, film, uh, pop culture, and uh, I grew up with those kind of films, and I always had this dream, or more more correctly a fantasy, uh, that I would one day wield a sword as. Uh, as formidable and as uh, well as the characters that I admired. So.
0: Like what? What characters? Well,
1: I grew Three up. your role models. Yeah, I grew up with Star Wars, so definitely ah, Star Wars was one. Um, Absolutely. I grew up with a uh, lot of The Rings as well, mm-hmm. so there was a lot of uh, fantasy influence, um, as well as anime. But I think anime was a brief. Was, was relatively brief, but it mm-hmm. really cemented the um, the 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 feel and the est- uh, the the est- 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 esoteric um,
0: yep.
1: esoteric qualities of like learning some ancient art that that you know that no one is familiar with today. Um, sure. But you know. With, with with all that, uh, I was very into the philosophy and the ethos of how you learn the martial art and what kind of implication that uh, that you know what, what, what kind of implication it has on our daily life or uh, in in our society. So I was very much uh, interested in martial arts in, the, in that aspect. Not so much as uh, not, not so much the physical uh, actual physical training because back then I wasn't really a physical kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I always wanted I I knew what I wanted I wanted to learn swordsmanship specifically I I wasn't really keen on the unarmed stuff or the um, uh, any of the unarmed stuff or any of the uh, more mainstream uh, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, sports martial arts Uh, I wanted to learn how would you use a weapon like a sword in a situation where it demands you or or rather in a situation where you have to survive. And so far, I could not find anything that had that kind of uh, appeal to me. Um, The closest was kendo. Uh, My father also encouraged me very much to pursue kendo. Um, But the moment I kind of delved into it, but the moment I found out how how the sport was being practiced, uh, it kind of turned me off because it wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't about the physical um, or tactical advantage it was more of like the spirit and the principles of the yeah. of the swordsmanship so uh, it, which is a great thing but uh, I, sure. I wasn't really there's no way it wasn't interested really yeah. interested yeah so um, so the only thing I knew uh, what to do or, or, or the only thing that I knew uh, to do was I was very interested in film. I was very interested in the uh, film and fight choreography. So that's what I did. I just basically took a few of my favourite films, I analysed the fight uh, choreography. Uh I tried to do uh, a choreography of my own. I roped a few friends in it. Um, Uh Usually we try with sticks, if not uh, uh, stick-like objects or sword-like objects, and then we try to find out why we would move in a certain way, whether uh, uh-huh. we had a whether it be an aesthetic factor or whether it be a functional factor. And it was really interesting because what we do back then was that uh, every Saturday afternoon we'd go to a nearby park or something and uh-huh. we would do something called stick bashing. So basically stick bashing is kind of um, we, we didn't have any martial arts training at that time so we, 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 mm-hmm. we were just basically playing around with sticks and uh, we called it stick bashing because we would not choreograph anything and we would try to experiment what you know how would someone try to offend someone or how would someone try to defend someone you know without any kind of martial yeah. art, prior martial okay. knowledge okay, okay.
0: The, re- the reason I'm laughing is because that's exactly <laughs> what I was doing when I was 12 exactly <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly the same, right? Exactly the same because there there isn't a lot of material. um, Well, there there wasn't a lot of material in the first place that you can find about swordsmanship. You know, uh, apart from the um, apart from the catalogs and stuff about the uh, about the uh, the actual artifacts, but not not very much about how they use and what how did they use it, how did they hold it, all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So we carried this on for a few years. Uh, we also experimented in some films where we would try to uh-huh. uh, get the most aesthetic uh, movements or aesthetic uh, angles in which these uh-huh. moves were, were were done. And then uh, I went on to become I, I went on to study uh, visual effects in film, and that uh-huh. was when the same friend that I was doing this with he he came across uh, he came across this this club basically. Uh, the, the club mm-hmm. that I run now and he came across this club and he told me it's pretty much what we do except that it has historical context so I was immediately was like oh okay there's, there's an actual thing going on right now and it's not um, it's not like kendo or it's not ushu yeah. you know, like the very very mainstream um, um, very popular stuff so mm-hmm. at first being the being the sheltered uh, kid that I am uh, my first my first thought was is it safe because it <laughs> of sounds course. like... Yeah, it, it sounds like a deadly martial art. And it is. Um, because you are instructed to, by all means, try to maim, kill, or disable your opponent in the most mm-hmm. quickest and efficient way. And even though you're doing it in a very controlled environment, and in a very safe environment, mm-hmm. uh, accidents do happen, as a- anyone okay. in this... Uh, anyone who practices martial arts can tell you. So my first, <laughs> my first question was like... Um, I had heard a lot of myths and misconceptions on martial training. Like, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially in kendo, you, you, in, in, in training, you do, uh, you hold a sword that is twice the weight of a normal sword or, uh, okay. to practice, you know. And, and all sorts of really, really, um, well, interesting in that time, questions like that. Uh, and basically, he was very, uh, he was very systematic in telling me that pretty much, almost practically, all of them uh, not true to a certain extent. That mm-hmm. you know, this is the way that we do things. You know, uh, we we don't really use swords that are uh, uh, heavier. We
0: just so who, who, who is out. this you are talking to? Uh,
1: so this is uh, my good friend uh, Jonathan Lowe. Uh, okay. He got me into HEMA. Uh, right. Uh, unfortunately, he's not practicing now. He's he's more of a collector more than a practitioner now. Okay. Uh, so that's pretty much uh, how I got into it. So okay. I went for the first lesson, uh, mm-hmm. and the first lesson was uh, uh, Fury Longsword. So a lot of the a lot of the preconceptions of martial arts were broken, and then yeah. when I went for my first lesson, a lot of the preconceptions of movement in martial arts was broken, Excellent. because as you know, uh, Fury is extremely physical, and he doesn't um, he, he, he 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 doesn't he doesn't try to. You know, uh, put focus on the aesthetic of what you're doing. He just says, you know, this is what you want to do, do it. Um,
0: Yeah, he doesn't discuss the he doesn't discuss the display aspect. I mean, it's still present, but he doesn't discuss it.
1: It it, it. it is it is present, um, and. Uh, even though it's present it's also very different from what from anything that we see in popular culture or in film or oh, sure. so okay. so that, that that was like that was like a nice it, mm-hmm. it was like <laughs> stepping into a dream you know it, it was like okay this is what this guy who like you know lived 600 years before uh, uh, 600 years before says to do with a sword and you look at the text Interpret the text, and then you come up with a good interpretation of the movements and the principles that he was trying to convey. And I think that was that was it for me. The the rest is pretty much history. Uh, after that, I could not yeah, literally, I, mm-hmm. I I could not I could not think of anything else because it is quite literally what I imagine if I would have trained as I don't know a, a Jedi. Or, or or someone who was training as, yeah. as, as a martial artist or, or, mm-hmm. or a fighter because not only he discusses the uh, physical movements of the art he discusses how you should um, deal with a, an opponent you know what the psych uh, what the psychology of it is what the ethos of it is um, whether you should you know uh, subject this kind of art to someone unjustly, in in, in any sense and he also doesn't shy away from the from the reality of it he says that it's very um, um, one of the techniques he says you know if you do this technique you'll just immediately knock out four teeth uh, four four tooth of your opponent and it's and it's just so matter of fact that it's (laughs) so different from any other um, any other martial arts material I've so far come across because it's just Mm -hmm. it's just there it's just practical uh, it's just a professional yeah. use of violence. There's nothing mystical about it, you know. You are just yeah. trying to, just trying to get away from anyone who offends you, or you're just trying to stop them from offending you. And I felt that was extremely attractive. Um, yes, it was. It was attractive in the sense that you you're not showing off. Uh, there, there is no there is no evangelism of violence. It's just okay. He's going to offend you. You do what you can to not be offended, or you do what you can to stop that. And that was yep. it. Um, and that was something that resonated with me because usually in very rare in martial arts, but very common in people who want to be in martial arts, there is this perception of um, there is perception of this uh, this art being superior or this art being um, you know better than and than 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 other. Uh, other mm-hmm. contemporary arts of its time, and of course, you do have that in Fiori He tells you that, you know, this is superior, and you know, if if you are inept in this art, then I will surely be uh, be the victor, uh, be the victor over you. Um, but it's just it, it, some something about it was very appealing to me, and it also showed the virtue that he held uh, in 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 uh, in reverence, and I feel that. That is something that usually all a martial artists has. They have this uh, egoless approach of uh, discovering a thing, discovering how to move, how to act, how to how to behave. You know what what the thought mm-hmm. process is, and yep. it the the moment the moment you catch yourself, the moment you catch yourself that you're acting on ego, or you're acting in pride, or you're acting in 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 any other way that does not reflect your true nature. Then you have to do some introspection on yourself, and okay. usually, um, this is not really touched on in our society, in, in modern society, because you know who who is fighting for their lives in 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 such a in in such a um, situation anyway, right? So yeah. it just yeah. So it just really interested me in the way that I can explore these ideas and I can explore these implications, without the without being in that situation, without being in a life or yeah. situation, right? Because yes, exactly. I I I wouldn't know what it is to fight for my life, right? Sure. Yeah. There are few there, there, there are very few people who would know what the would that feel like and you know, what would you be thinking? Whether you do the right thing, whether you you know mm. um, in, in in that moment of desperation would you run? Would you fight? Would you you know, would you commit murder essentially? Um, and all these things are very central to what we practice because if we yeah. if we just take upon the preconception that we're just doing this for fun which is generally what we're doing you know it's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. doing it for fun but i feel like there is a certain sense of responsibility we should take that you know these techniques are mm-hmm. meant to kill they're meant to maim they're meant to harm and if you just do it for fun that's great, but you need to know that you're doing it for fun you can't just say that oh yeah I'm just doing it for fun so you know it doesn't really matter you need to be conscious about that you need to make sure that you're consciously you're conscious about the fact that you're doing it for fun or mm. you're conscious about the fact that you're learning this because of another reason you know sure. uh, be it, uh,
0: yeah ed- educational it, it helps way. it helps to be very clear about your motivations for practice absolutely yeah. Um, yeah. you must be you must be familiar with greg gallistan who's founded the club back with Chris Blakely back in like 2005, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, You know, Greg, Greg, Greg is one of those um, sort of students and friends who he has a whole lot of experience in real world violence because he's a police officer. And so, so, you know, many, many times if I'm I'm teaching something, I'll just quietly look out of the corner of my eye at Greg and look at the expression on his face because if it was bullshit, I could see it on his face. Right. Because, right, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it yeah. is very useful to have a kind of cross reference to someone who actually has done proper violence. Oh yeah, yeah, in definitely. I think,
1: I think Greg is. Um, I think Greg is one of the very few people uh, that has been in uh, in those situations that has been in the line of operational duty where he has to defend mm. himself, uh, or or he has to, you know. Um, mm he has to act in some way in, in some physical sense where he has to either defend himself or he needs to uh, subdue someone else uh, yeah. and you don't get you, you, you rarely get that kind of uh, person in any kind of society nowadays because you know it, we mm. live in a very peaceful time and it's great you sure. know, th- there's no violence uh, well there's relatively no violence um, and oh, very everything yeah. Yeah, very little.
0: Uh, and and, and Greg, Greg himself is now producing absolutely world-class ice cream.
1: He's yeah, from exactly, from being a police man.
0: officer to being, a, to being an ice cream maker. <laughs> and, you know, talk, talk about you know, leave, leaving the weapons behind and moving on to a more peaceful field. What could yeah, be more yeah. peaceful than making ice cream?
1: Exactly, right? And 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 I yeah. feel like... And I feel... Um, especially in Singapore, well, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure in other parts of the world, they, they do have... Uh, You do have some sort of conflict going on anywhere, you know, in in, in every part of the world. Mm -hmm. But um, in Singapore, we, the males here have to, uh, well, basically, we are, uh, there is a compulsory, uh, it it is compulsory for us to do our national service, which is basically to uh, enlist in the army and, um, Mm -hmm. well, basically defend the nation. So we do, um, in the course of two years, we do. We do get deployed in operational, uh, in, 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 in real life operations, although most of the time these operations are mm. meant to deter all their security operations, so we don't right. really see the kind of, you know, frontline violence that, that, yeah, yeah. that um, that's so real that So you've, you've done
0: your military service? Yeah.
1: yeah, so I've done my military service. Uh, I mm-hmm. was unlucky enough to be uh, pretty much in the, well, what's equivalent of the SAS in Singapore. Okay. So, what we do is that if it ever comes to war, we basically have the same mission profile as the SAS or, in America, the uh, the, the Marines, I think, because we are a helibon and we are a seaborne uh, elite infantry regiment. So, in that sense, uh, we are also put into a situation where the tension is high, the stress is high. The only difference is that it's an exercise. You know, we don't really... Mm. It, it's still an exercise, you know, even up to that point where where, where you're at the border of, of, of a very high-stress high, um, high stress situation, it's still an exercise. So, you know, there, there is always that, that little bit of you that tells you that, you know what, your life is not really in danger. It's okay, yeah, sure. you know. So, yeah. even then, e- even in such a stressful situation... Uh, we are not able to understand what it is really like to fire a weapon, a life weapon, and mm-hmm. to take someone's life or to defend your life from someone. So I feel with martial arts, that's a very, it, it's a question that definitely comes up uh, to, sure. to every serious martial artist. Because apart from doing it for fun or doing it for the lifestyle or doing it for the fitness, why not just, you know, jog? Well, why not take up a sport right, right? because it's the same yeah. thing you do it for the fitness you do it for the for the movement you know it's good for your
0: health and there are there are a lot more efficient ways of getting fit and strong and doing martial arts you can just oh, yeah. do the fitness training and the strength training and not yeah. bother with all of the you know fighting yeah, stuff
1: like 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 the tactics and, and the yeah. fighting stuff and the history right. yeah exactly. so it's 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 really what appeals to you and you have to understand why that appeals to you so if I have a student that comes up to me, uh, and and if I ask him, you know, why are you doing martial arts, and he says, oh, it, it it's really fun. I, I I saw Game of Thrones and I thought that, uh, wielding a sword would be fun. And if great. he was he was conscious about it, I say, great, have fun because that's 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 your goal. But if yeah. someone tells me that. Ah okay, I really like the historical aspects and I I I I would wonder how would they use these weapons and what was the mindset of these people who use these weapons. Then I tell them that you'd have to um, you'd have to go through your own introspection and see how well you react when you are uh, when you are in the middle of using these weapons. Even in a even in a situation where it's purely an exercise or whether it's mm-hmm. friendly sparring or whatever, but Try to figure out, or try to be conscious about the mindset that you're in, because that mm. shows a lot on on your intentions or on you know where where your mind is on that moment itself. And I feel like it's such a it, it's 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 a joy of discovery because when I felt when when I felt that when when I figured it out or rather was I'm still figuring it out um, when I felt that hey wait a minute this is this, this is different, you know. I, I wouldn't be in this situation if I had done this, or if I was thinking that, or if I had chosen, you know, an alternative. And mm-hmm. if you think about it enough, uh, you start to have the sudden realization that it's a very, very sincere... I, I wouldn't say serious because I think most people confuse sincere with serious. Uh, you can practice something sincerely, joyfully, mm-hmm. Uh, with joyous abandon and still be sincere about practicing it. And you can be serious about something, and you know, you can be serious about practicing an art, and you'd get nowhere, or you wouldn't be, you know, in the intended place that you'd want to be in. So I felt that was a very interesting thing for for, for, for people like us who do HEMA um, uh, to think about. Because it's not just about martial arts it's not just about the movements sure. it's about the ethos it's about the ethics how would you what would you do would you you know if you had someone at your mercy, how would that reflect you as a person you know if you had yeah. I, I don't know in, in the crazy in the crazy fantastical situation where you have your sword on some guy's neck would you mm-hmm. just you know what would your action be would you show mercy would you take the kill? why would you take the kill? why would you show mercy? Right? Is it sure. because of a yeah. you know it, yeah? Is it because of a failure to act, or is it because you know that this is going to be something very grave for you to do? And
0: yeah.
1: in martial arts, this is a question that comes up very very much because you do get training incidents, you do get um, well training incidents or accidents where either um, two combatants either get a little bit too hot headed at each other, you know mm-hmm. tempers get you know, lost.
0: Um, sure.
1: Yeah, you know, things get out of control, right? And
0: it does it's happen. not...
1: Yeah, it, 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 it happens, right? And especially, you know, it's dangerous just with unarmed martial arts. We're talking about armed martial arts with, you know, when if you're fighting with steel or, or wooden swords, it's still pretty, pretty dangerous. Sure. And when these things happen, uh, you just have to confront yourself with the fact that why did it happen? Were you really out of control, or were you just letting go of your control? You know, and it's 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 a difficult question to ask because we rarely, number one, we rarely, we rarely are, uh, we rarely go into that situation. You know, we rarely encounter this situation mm-hmm. ourselves. And even when we do, it's in a situation or it's in a moment where, you know, we are most likely not ourselves. You know,
0: okay. it's Tell in a moment where.
1: It's in a moment where you suddenly lost temper or you suddenly forgot that, you know, for some reason, this is supposed to be a friendly sparring, but for some reason, the anger just gets the better of you and then you start really going at it without even realizing mm-hmm. that you're going at it until someone steps in and say, hey, wh- what are you doing? Right? And then you realize, you yeah. snap out of it and then you found out that, hey, cool, the guy in the mask is my friend. In fact, he's like my yeah. one of my best friends. He's my training partner and here I am with the intention to actually do some harm to him
0: right so
1: it suddenly becomes very 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 um, it suddenly becomes very dense Uh, the situation becomes very dense because then you're trying to unpack all these kind of very very um, heavy feelings or very very uh, intense feelings and then you wonder Mm -hmm. why did I even you know why did this happen we have all these safety rules. We have all these uh, safety precautions in in sure. uh, in in, uh, in practice, but it still happened. And every time it happens, we have to take a review of it, right? To understand, sure. was it you know potentially what could happen, or you know why did it happen? Is it because of a is it because of an interpersonal relationship? Is it because is it just a a, a situation where you just lose control? And if you lose control, then how do you make sure that the next time you do this, you don't lose control? And sure. all this is pretty much what you learn in martial arts. Now, the next thing to consider uh, when you talk about all these kind of training, all these kind of mm-hmm. um, self-control self, uh, training, is that most of the time when you join a club, a martial arts club... Uh, these kinds of these kinds of trainings or these kind of advice would be would be what it is. It it would be advice. It wouldn't be something that would be drilled into you, right? Mm-hmm. The things that would be drilled into you are the drills itself, like the physical aspect, the tactical yeah. aspects. Uh, very rarely, you would see someone or or you'd see an instructor drilling the aspect of hey, you need to make sure that you. Take your self-control very seriously because we are in a situation where most of us are decent people, right? The moment sure. we start to speed up, the moment we start to hit harder, you you are very you are hyper aware of the moment that you do that. You are hyper aware of oh, I'm hitting someone harder. Oh, I'm I'm speeding up. Okay, slow down, slow down, slow down. Um, in training, usually that's 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 my primary um, experience. As, as an instructor, you do get very, very, uh, very decent, very, very hyper-aware students that are aware the moment they go out of, you know, they, they are mm-hmm. about to step step uh, step over the line. And you can see it in their face because they go, oh, okay, okay I, I should come down. Let's try it again slowly, right? Um, mm-hmm. But when it translates to sparring that inhibition becomes a way uh, that inhibition that inhibition becomes a little bit less in the sense that they are in the mindset of okay this is full contact sparring we're wearing safety gear you know we should be able to yeah. hit harder not not as hard not, not like full hard but we should be able to hit harder without damaging mm-hmm. or without uh, bringing harm to your opponent and it's a very fine line because you know the moment you go off the cuff, something bad happens and then we sure. all have to talk about it. So I just find it really interesting. Uh, this this is something that I've always uh, has been central to my martial arts training. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. deny that it has been sometimes counterproductive to my martial arts training because um, generally most people aren't violent people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and if you do encounter a situation a a situation or a feeling like this my personal initial reaction would be to just stop right would be just to just let go stop stop um, stop movement you know find out what's wrong and it's that kind of fear uh, that keeps you in check but at the same time it's that kind of it's that kind of fear that inhibits your training as well because as you know we don't want a student to intentionally miss a strike because that's sure. very very, um, it, it, very it, it doesn't it's do good. yeah yeah, it, yeah it, it's very very common but it's counterproductive and you do see this mostly in the new students because obviously you know you're,
0: you're, you're, you're yeah, they're the socialized time. not to hit people I mean we yeah, exactly. brought up yeah. and told not to hit people and then suddenly yeah, we're allowed to hit, hit people either. and it's like yeah
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's something that you got to unlearn right so sure. it's um it's 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 a very very fine balance between you know someone who loses it and someone who is mm-hmm. hyper aware of, of 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 doing any kind of violence even though the uh, mm-hmm. the violence is, uh, in this sense, in terms of martial arts it's warranted. So for example, in an exercise, well, right, it's consensual. It's, yeah, it's consensual, right? When when someone is supposed to offend you and you're supposed to defend and yeah. counter offend. Uh, uh, yeah, if you don't swing your moment,
0: sword at my head, I don't get to practice.
1: Yeah exactly and yeah and 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 the fact is it's not just detrimental for your training it's detrimental for the other guys training as well Absolutely. because then he's 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 not going to expect um, a threat you know he's not going to expect a, an, a, uh-huh. a a blow to his head or a blow to wherever you are you're you striking from so you know so i find myself at times trying to bring together my students trying to explain to them hey I get it. We're not violent people. We don't want to harm our our, our training partners. And I I do get it that you know sometimes inspiring we do get a little bit carried away, but especially in training we don't want to have half-hearted intents, right? If you intend to hit yeah, him, sure. you need to hit him. And I think that's where that's where the issue of Hema is because we are basically trying to get as close as we can to actual fighting without doing. Any actual fighting, yes. And it's a very very difficult thing because you have multiple things to consider in multiple aspects in multiple factors, um, which come together in the combination of a life and death duel, or 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 in any situation where you um, mm-hmm. where you have to defend yourself. And I think most people, including me, sometimes I I, I I'm I'm not sure of myself, including me. I think most people, we don't understand that what we do in training is one facet of a whole um, of, let's say, ten other facets of mm-hmm. uh, the aspect of what we need to do in a situation like that. So, it's an extremely complicated thing, which makes it fun to do, right? To, to, which makes it fun to research and explore.
0: What, and what do you mean about the, um, the other facets?
1: So, Let's take the physical as uh, the physical uh, facets of fighting. Mm-hmm. So we have drill training, which is technique training. Yeah. We have form training, which is how you should you know hold a certain position. Why do you hold it like that? Uh, what mm-hmm. the body mechanics of it is, and then we have obviously life cutting. So something yeah. that uh, something that was made aware to me in my practice was that. In the years that I've been practicing HEMA, we have only dealt with um, blunt weapons or steel weapons. Really? Yeah. So uh, it is only on my fourth year that I started to practice with sharps. Okay. Only my fourth year. So relatively recently. And in those four years, we were very... I, I know
0: that in Singapore, I mean, I was there... When I was there about 10 years ago, we did sharp cutting demonstrations for a high school yeah. somewhere in Singapore. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's been part of the club culture before. I'm surprised that you, you got through four years uh, of it without okay. so coming across the I, sharps.
1: I think the reason is, I think uh, when Greg was in charge, I think there was yeah. still some manner of life cutting. Uh, yeah. When I joined in, it was the the club was kind of on a semi-hiatus. Okay. So, it, yeah, so Chris was still teaching, I think Greg had retired already, uh, but mm-hmm. by that time we were predominantly focusing on formwork and uh, interpretation, uh, source, source oh, interpretation. Okay. So, right. the question of, you know, how sharps would feel, how the cut should feel, what the cutting mechanics is, it didn't really come up in those uh, years, and okay. I... As, as you know as, as a new guy or as, as, a, as a as a practitioner with not a lot of experience you don't really you know that there, there, there wouldn't be a point where you say hey what would be the mechanics of this you know sharp thing going through something right because yeah. you know that at least you know when you swing a sword the edge alignment is there your form is well relatively correct you think that okay cool this should you know, at least do, yeah. you know, at least some damage. And that was the extent but it, of But until you
0: do it with a sharp sword, you don't... Yeah, know.
1: yeah, exactly. So, you yeah. know, in uh, on my fifth year, we finally decided that, okay, cool, um, let's try uh, to incorporate some life-cutting into our training. And that was okay. when everything started to come together. Because then I yep. realized that, you know, when, when, when some sources say that, you know, when you strike at someone, it's almost as if yeah. someone is pulling the tip of your sword with a string uh, to, yeah. the, to the point of the strike. And that's what we based our interpretation on. Um, the, the, the fact that we have to make it like uh, mm-hmm. we're leading with the sword, the point goes yeah. first and everything. Yeah. Um, the first time we tried it on a cutting target practice, oh yeah. boy, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of failure okay Of course. And it yeah. is yeah yeah definitely naturally and well, it is also the strike, mainly
0: due a strike to, that's optimized for cutting through tatami is not yep. optimized for for being untelegraphed to a live opponent
1: exactly so that was the first yeah. clue in our training that we realized that hey cool this martial art is well we're not practicing to the to, to the highest extent you know in, in, mm-hmm. in, in the most in the most highest extent of the the, the, the holistic art itself we're just practicing aspect of it, which is the form training, or which is the technique training, or the tactical uh, the, the, the tactical study of the movements. So that was when I really started to think, if such an oversight in, 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 in my view, uh, in, in my training, has led to such a big reform in my entire training, what other uh-huh. things am I not thinking of? that could yeah, change the entire paradigm of, yeah exactly right so then I really really begin to seriously consider what else would someone in that si- situation would be thinking would be acting would be trying to you know uh, what would be his, his um, what would be his criteria to, 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 to survive a, a, a situation like that or what would be a criteria to, mm-hmm. to successfully you know Uh, successfully offend someone in a criteria like that. And it was a myriad of things because after after the initial uh, practice we realised that our bind works uh, uh, the the way that we Mm -hmm. bind on the sword uh, the impulses that we get from binding with blunt swords entirely wrong. Totally different. Yeah, totally different, right? Yeah. 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 So then I started to look at uh, multiple sources uh, multiple of uh, the 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 multiple interpretations of the sources where most people have been doing this with blunt steel uh, steel blunts or, mm-hmm. or wooden wooden training weapons and you look very closely on what the methodology uh, that the methodology is and you see mm-hmm. whether would it fit if you had replaced your sword with a real sharp you know steel sword yeah. that's with that that's kind why of I handling.
0: test I test every interpretation with sharps always yeah it's like yeah. it's, it's a necessary step
1: it is it is it is so necessary um, and, and and basically that's what we learn right so
0: mm-hmm.
1: I have been maybe erroneously I, I have been a great uh, I have endorsed the use of steel swords as much as possible yeah as the the moment the the moment a student shows that they can they, they they can relatively control and be in good mm. form with a with, with a steel blunt or a, or a wooden blunt. I immediately tell them try to try to practice with at least a steel feather or a steel sword because it is much closer to a sharp sword than it is yeah. than it is with a wooden sword. You know, and, and, and it goes sure. in um, it goes in increments, right?
0: And yeah, I put a I put a blunt steel sword in in beginners hands on their first yeah, day in class.
1: Yeah, same, same. Um, even though it might be, I think now now that I think about it, I think what would be better if that I had let them practice solo forms with a steel sword, but uh, kept the um, kept wooden swords as pedros because I I need to be sure. They can safely handle uh, a steel sword without, you know, w- without any accidents okay. happening first. Yeah. So I, 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 think in retrospect, that's what I would have changed uh, my teaching methods if, if, mm-hmm. if, if I could go back. Um, but you know, going forward, right? It's, it's, it just gets even more complicated and even more complicated because then you realize, oh, even the bind, uh, bind impulses are, are vastly different. Right? The steps are vastly different. The entire mechanics of the strike is vastly different. So then how do you reconcile the form that is described in the text with good cutting form? And that was one of the uh, greatest, well, the, the the most time-consuming part of my research. Because, you know, it's we have so little evidence of... Uh, you know descriptions of cuts you know uh, description of how you should move the body description of how um, how the cut should feel like
0: you know sure but then, but then there's no reason to believe that Fiore was particularly interested in the most effective cut for yeah. you know Cutting a big stationary thing in half, right. like having a great right. big tatami, what is the best way of cutting that in half? He was exclusively, I think, concerned with cuts in a tactical context, which is different. Yes,
1: yes, yes. But, I mean, if, you, if you
0: just want, if you look at tatami cutting competitions from Japan, for instance, mm. every single person steps up with the sword held back and with both feet planted, then strikes with the body because that's better. Yeah, right, but right. if you do so that in a sword fight. As you step in with your sword held back, somebody's going to poke you in the face. So you yeah. have to leave with the blade. That's right. So that's right. Yeah, I wouldn't expect to find it's optimal a, cutting mechanics for cutting in Fury. Yeah,
1: that's 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 absolutely true. And I, I, I was wondering the, the the same question was surely surely he knows what he's he's talking about, and surely sure. he the 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 focus of his subject matter was the tactical uh, aspect of the art. Right, because most mm-hmm. of it deals with the how how to subdue opponent in the most efficient movement possible. Uh, he doesn't really tell you how to cut the opponent in the, uh, in, in in two. You know, he just tells you no. throw a cut at him to offend him or to
0: harm him or to yeah to otherwise Smack somebody in the head with a steel sword. Yeah, it's still, still gonna the hurt, right? Of crap, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it might very <laughs> well kill him, even with very bad technique. That's right. That's right. So so, so
1: it it's it's something worth considering, uh, because. How I feel about the text is that, you know, these are treatises, right? So it is implied that the person he was writing this for already had some form of martial training.
0: Well, Nicola Deste was a military commander.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah, in in, in, in terms of, yeah, in terms of like, um, you know, if, if, if I, on my first day, picked up, a, a, a treatise by Fiore, and I tried to read through, and I tried to uh, reproduce the things that were in it. I would be terribly wrong, or I I mm-hmm. I'd make terrible mistakes. Well, uh,
0: if if which I which is had what to we did it. back in the nineties, absolutely, yes. yeah. Pr- I can confirm much that right? from practical yeah. experience. Yeah, <laughs> yes. pretty much, right. So it's um,
1: yeah, you know, it, it's a learning experience from there, and it's so exciting when you find out something new because I remember um, recently, I think it was last year where we had. Uh, Colin Richards from Germany come down to teach uh-huh. a seminar on uh, on longsword, and he told me that you know something that he uh, something that he was just uh, thinking about the other day was that I think in one of the plates in Fury where he was holding the sword uh, with his I think it was the left hand that was uh, obstructed like this, and he said to me, "What if he was actually?" Positioning the false edge instead of the true edge to 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 the um, to the to the to the, uh, to the defense line, and I thought that was really mm-hmm. really curious um, that he 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 considered it at all because it just looked like you know the true edge is where it's mm-hmm. supposed to be, the false edge is just the, yeah. the edge that is behind. But the more I think about it, uh, there is well I, I wouldn't say there's precedence, but there is a possibility that he either the artist got it really wrong in terms of the perspective of how he should hold the sword or that was what Fioria intended which we we, we may never know what illustration
0: is this Um, Um, I
1: think it's the hold on let me try to find uh, let me try to find the
0: treatise is it Getty Manuscript?
1: Yeah it's, the Getty ma- yeah, it's the Getty Manuscript. Uh, I can't okay. remember which plate was it. Uh, Getty Manuscript. Uh, he was discussing this with another colleague of his, I can't remember. But I think in one of the guard positions, I think it was...
0: In one was of the guard frontale? positions? Yeah, I think it was frontale.
1: I'm not so sure, but he said that uh, the thumb position is a little bit weird. So he, uh, okay. because he was also, um, he was also, I think he was uh, talking about the German sources as well and how uh, yeah, okay. the thumb plays a prominent role. So it was very just, it, it was something, you know, it was remarked as an offhand remark, but it was something very mm-hmm. curious because, you know, such, even in such a, such a small detail, we can, we can, you know, we can see that, hey, cool, this might be a possibility that, you know, it might be perhaps an error on the artist's part or it might be something that he intended or you know we we, we may never know until more information comes to light but it's it's just one of the one of the great joys of HEMA where you know you look at a 600 year old manuscript and then you finally you suddenly find something different about it you know and I think it's something that uh, most of well it's it's, it's 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 Surely, one of the reasons why we do Hema, because of these kind of discoveries, and sure. um, it's also very no. humbling to see. Yeah,
0: uh, um, we've actually we've been talking for quite a while now, and I'm actually still on my first first question. Oh uh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. This is great. Cause, yeah. No, 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 no. This, this is great, Rigel. This is great because you know, the point of the questions is just to get you talking and. Um, but there are, there are a couple of questions that I, I would like to get to um, yeah. because it just maybe sheds some interesting light on, on sort of how you think and, and right. you know, the culture you're coming from and all that sort of thing so right. the first one is what is the best idea you've never acted on?
1: I think the best idea i never acted on in terms of training preparation I think it's mm-hmm. the well in terms of training preparation um, I think it's the idea that when you want a, a training regimen that holistically deals with all the things that you can do in HEMA mm-hmm. um, it's very very I, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say someone who's been practicing for maybe one year or two years should do it, but I think it's very—it's a good way of discovering things that you might not have discovered in the treatise or, or, or in a specific treatise that you've been studying exclusively. I think something to think about for a person practicing would be to look at other contemporary treatises of their time or as close to and then mm-hmm. see how the context different uh, how, how how the context is different how the movement sure. is different and then see what see if there is any kind of overlap in terms of principles that they're trying to come across because uh, i started so, with uh,
0: Fiori. how, how is, so how is so, so the the idea that you've never acted on is you yeah. haven't looked outside fiore
1: um well not and necessarily you you but should. i haven't
0: i haven't looked okay. outside
1: um Okay, in terms of looking outside a uh, a uh, 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 a similar frame of reference, right? Of course, uh-huh. if you want to go down right to the, the 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 minute details, is let's say for example, Fury longsword versus long longsword, or Fury longsword versus uh-huh. any other form of longsword. Uh, if we take it on a bigger scale, it becomes longsword versus oh a different type of sword. If we take it into a bigger scale, it becomes sword versus another type of weapon. So there are sure. various um, there are various ways you can act on this idea where you look at a treatise or you look at a bunch of treatises or you look at a weapon system and then you look mm-hmm. at a totally different weapon system and then you see sure. what kind of similar um, principles they have. I think Fiori did this yeah. very well because, well, obviously his treatise deals not just with swords, with the polex, with the uh, spear, with the lance... Uh, uh, with mounted combat as well, um, and that I think that would be a better way for mm. new students to try to see how they should be learning this art. Because I'm not sure whether it's a Singaporean thing or whether it's a modern society thing where, when you when you teach someone something, they almost always learn it by rote, which is to say they almost le- always learn it by memorization by by, mm-hmm. by constant drilling not to say that it's bad but you can clearly tell uh, from the sources that after a certain point the rote learning might be not so um, might not be well, as
0: theor F- yeah. himself calls his actions plays so yeah. you're you're not you're, yeah you're supposed to know the plays but you're supposed yeah. to play with the plays
1: exactly exactly but the thing is in in, in in my experience, at least, I'm not sure whether uh, you've you've encountered this, um, but Singapore has has an educational
0: um, emphasis on rote learning. Yes, yeah, I've encountered yeah, yeah, this.
1: yes, yes, Ed, yeah. I, I mean, pretty much any big institution, any big educational institution has has a has an emphasis on rote learning because you know it just gets the result that they want, right? Um, mm-hmm. It might not benefit the person. Uh, as much as you know, let's say if he was to or or she if, if, if she was oh. to learn it in a more dynamic fashion. But I think in terms of martial art or in terms of any art for that matter, I think that's the that's the more it's the more easy on the long run way to go. Because I feel if you start to look at this place as uh in, in, in the in the Asian martial arts they call them katas, you know, like in, in, mm-hmm. in set forms. Then yeah. you run the risk of not understanding what the plays are trying to teach you in the first place, which is sure. the principle of the movements, right? Instead of just the action sure. of the movement. So I think the I think that would pretty much be the best idea I never acted on because I just personally felt that uh, they would not be ready for such an undertaking because I, I know how hard it is um, my students are not the kind of students that would practice every day of the week you know. and it's already okay. hard enough it's already hard enough for a HEMA practitioner that practices you know seven days a week for at least two hours it's already hard enough then to try to get any kind of actual progress you know actual martial progress and you have these students um, that practice well, maybe once well play is twice. the best
0: learning environment
1: yeah, it is, it is. It is the best learning environment, but it, um, it takes more time than, well, most of my students are used to. So, I feel like if I had, let's say, if I had a mandate and if suddenly, you know, this HEMA club becomes something equivalent of a more serious academic institution... I think mm. that could be implemented, but okay. even then, you know, uh, it, it'd be extremely hard to try to get the students to that standard of learning because I okay. don't think anyone would take this as seriously or, um, you know, it's, it's I at the there, base There are of
0: definitely it. people out there who do.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's, I mean, especially in Singapore, it's few and far between. Uh, we okay. don't really have a society that... that um, that allows people to delve into their hobbies, in that kind of depth, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like it's a great idea, um, in in the sense or in the context of the society. I don't think we're ready for it. Uh, I would okay. be ha- more than happy for it to be implemented, but I think we we are you know long ways to go yet.
0: <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, now my last question: Somebody gives you a million pounds, or dollars or whatever else a huge big chunk Oof. of money to spend improving historical martial arts worldwide oh how goodness. would you spend the money
1: first of all I think the most okay there is an interesting answer to this and there is a very boring but effective answer to this and I think the boring effective answer to this is spend it in the museums spend it in the libraries and get them to catalogue catalogue their stuff
0: okay Okay. Yep.
1: First and foremost, you need to organize it before you can try to get anything done. Um, okay, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of sad when I talk to um, practitioners when they say, you know, when when we're discussing something like oh, um, uh, when when we're discussing wild theories about uh, mm-hmm. a certain master, and they say, who knows, maybe in the near future we'll find a you know a lost manual that he wrote that that sheds light on this particular subject. Sure, and. You know the, the the idea and the fantasy is there, and it's a very tantalizing fantasy, but mm-hmm. it's just really sad to think that that's the only way that we can progress uh, in sure. our study of the thing. So I feel the most boring answer, but the most effective is try you know invest in 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 the uh, in the housekeeping of these museums and these libraries, get them to catalogue their stuff, get them to maintain the stuff. Um,
0: okay. Um, you might need you more know, than a million dollars yeah, yeah, exactly, okay. right? It's,
1: it's, it's, right, it's so, really so, a serious undertaking. Uh, so, what's,
0: so what's the exciting answer?
1: So the exciting answer is, of course, mm-hmm. to put that in the research and to put that in the, um, in, number one, the improvement on, of the facilities or of the training devices that we have. Uh, improvement okay. of the technology, the training technology that okay. we have.
0: Can you be more specific? What, so, what specifically would you? So,
1: um, well, let's say just it? just ten years ago, uh, mm-hmm. in 2010, we, well, at least in FIMAS, we uh, we were only about to transition to um, better fitting, uh, better protective gear. You know. Okay. Uh, better quality masks and all those Mm -hmm. kind of things Um, in the big picture we need to find more efficient ways to basically um, basically develop and design equipment that is better suited for our purposes because yeah sport fencing masks are not a good solution Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm. I'm. I'm pretty sure in your days as well in the olden days where you just rely on. <laughs> you know. You know. You, you, you know. In right. Your yeah. days, in the yeah. olden days. Oh well, my God. Yeah. Well, I've oh, heard no, the no. stories. <laughs> I, well, I've heard the stories, and to, to 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 be frank, I'm a little bit scared if we did not improve at all because I I I hear stories of cool. people. Um, getting reproduction swords that were not very well made they were getting reproduction they were they were you know of the wrong gauge of steel of the wrong thickness of the wrong everything wrong you know a, a sure. except for the look so as a safety issue that just raises a lot of alarms uh, oh, especially yeah, yeah. when we're dealing with um, with, with
0: with life weapons. we've come a long way in, equipment yeah. in the last 20 yeah. years yeah i mean i way. mean
1: you know from from the from the uh, from the coning gloves to the pro gauntlet, there's a mm-hmm. lot of uh, R and D that is. Uh, there's a lot of R and D money that is being pushed into those kind of aspects, and I think sure. it's great. Um, but I think we can do better because there are definitely still limitations. Yeah. And not just physical limitations, or just not just phys- uh, not just safety limitations. Mm-hmm. The more we streamline the process of getting these kind of technologies much more efficient for us the less likely we will run into um, things like uh, uh, training artifacts so for right. example the more gear you put on the less mobility you have that's the most common thing that you you, you yeah. have right you know I, I, I've seen I've seen fighters that say in terms of sparring you don't really need to raise your hand all the way to the German ox because, you know, obviously your equipment would get in the way, you'd lose your visibility and everything. So they adapt. They're, they're basically right. creating their own branch of fencing that is modern, yep. modernized, um, based on modern equipment. And it's not it's not right or it's not wrong, but I feel like it's, it's not even detrimental to the historical aspect, but I feel like if new people come in and they see... And that's the first thing they see. It's gonna be the same cycle of, huh, oh, why didn't I think yeah. of this before? Right? And then it becomes a training artifact yeah. where we don't know about. So I think yeah. um, that's the that's the more exciting thing to put my money in because okay. you know, that's where that's where everything, you know, that's where people will be looking at, you know, they'll be looking at the next, you know, miracle glove that doesn't get your thumb, you know, smashed when you when, when you fight with a sure. long sword, that kind of thing. So um, there are definitely a lot of things to improve, but, you know, I, I think a million pounds it. is, okay. yeah, a million pounds is way too little, but if I had
0: to, <laughs> but it's a good you start know, all right. yeah,
1: it's a good start. It's a good start to kind of galvanize the, the I don't know, the 1% yeah. <laughs> to try to invest into this kind of, uh, to, to sure. try to invest in this kind of development. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Rajal, do you have any um, sort of requests or last words for the listeners? Any way you'd um, like to go online? Maybe come and find you on the internet. If
1: I think, I think the best encouragement and the, I, I think something that has been on my mind uh, ever since I started is that how can someone, uh, wherever they are, try to get into a martial art such as HEMA where it is so. Well, I, I wouldn't say not well known, but I wouldn't say that it's, you know, it's 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 like a household name, uh, household name kind of thing where, you know, say yeah. when you say Hima, everyone would know. Oh, okay, I've heard of this before, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, everyone's uh, heard of karate.
1: Yeah, everyone's heard of karate, everyone's heard of taekwondo, everyone's heard of, you know, Ushu and stuff, but Hima, it's still kind of in the uh, infant, you know, yeah, in, in like a niche um, mm-hmm. um, area. And I don't want that to be the main source of discouragement for anyone who tries to get into it. Because, you know, you know, de- definitely I have, been, I have been searching for something this for my entire life. And if it wasn't for that chance... I, I would have mm-hmm. never probably I would probably just you know become a very boring person you know just just <laughs> doing, just, just just doing boring you know stuff yeah, yeah sure. uh, trying to fill my time you know trying to fill my days trying to fill uh, my yeah. my my hobbies um, so I don't want I I, I want the name I, I I want the 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 reputation of Hema to get. Bigger. Uh, it doesn't even mm-hmm. have to be called Hema. It doesn't even have to be called any kind of uh, um, name that we have previously called it. It just has to be. Uh, it just has to be identified enough that people. It should be common
0: knowledge. Yeah, it should be know common knowledge that yeah. you can practice yeah. historical. Historical sourcemanship, sourcemanship. yeah. Or the yeah. or historical martial arts. From the middle ages and the renaissance uh, people should know that that's just a thing you can do
1: yeah yeah exactly and, I, and, and right. I I just want to tell anyone who's out there who's well maybe listening to this podcast perhaps um, don't be discouraged by the amount of or rather the perceived amount of work that you have to put in because it's such a niche thing. You have to, you know, do your own research, you have to do your own yeah. physical training, you have to think about all the things that you would normally not think about in an established But that's role. what makes it fun exactly that's what makes it fun but, that's what um, makes it fun I, yeah. I, I, I do have people coming up to me saying that oh it's such a hassle oh it's such a you know I, I just want to learn the techniques and that's it can you just teach me the techniques sure. you don't have to learn uh, you, you you, don't have to learn the other aspects and I just want to say that that's okay you can do that Yeah. provided that that is exactly what you want to do I don't want I, I don't want basically what I'm trying to say is I don't want you to be cheated by the intentions that you uh, that that, that you can't specify yourself right it has to be your intention to do this and don't try to fool yourself in thinking that oh yeah I'm just doing this because of some other reason or you know you're doing this for a totally different
0: so be clear about your motivations yeah be clear about your motivations and don't be discouraged you
1: know and don't let anyone yeah yeah don't let anyone telling you that you know you shouldn't just do this for fun it's something more something more than Fun, you know, because at the end of it, no one is going to war with swords anymore. No one is killing people with swords. If you are the very unlucky person that has to defend yourself with a sword, um, I hope this skill set has, has 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 success. You know, you you have success in defending yourself. I hope that that situation never comes to you in real life. Um, But don't let anyone... It's very unlikely. Yeah, yeah. Don't, Don't let anyone tell you that, you know, martial arts should be a serious thing and you should, you know, implement more time and money into it, you know. If you want to do this for fun, great. That's fine. You know,
0: excellent that's a just, that's a brilliant yeah. point to finish on yeah <laughs> excellent well thank you very much Mike. it's been a thank pleasure you so much talking for to you me. and i and i look forward to my next trip to singapore sure. oh yeah definitely cross swords again in person excellent yeah definitely Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Rigel Ung. And remember to go along to guywindsor.net forward slash podcast for the episode show notes and for your free copy of Sword Fighting for Writers, Game Designers and Martial Artists. Now, tune in next week when I'll be talking to author and swordswoman Alina Boyden about all sorts of things, including aerial combat of all things. So... Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from and I will see you next week. Cheerio.